Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? Good, great, awesome. It's a beautiful weekend. Thanks for being here, as Dave had said. My name is Josiah. If I uh, haven't met you, I'm the resident here at Barberton, and this weekend is a special weekend. Grace and I celebrate my wife, our uh, anniversary tomorrow on the 1st, which is exciting. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And I know Tyler and Maddie, I think theirs is today. So that's also really cool. But yesterday, uh, we got to celebrate someone else's wedding, and we went to the exact same place where we had our reception, which was awesome. Got to dance in the same spot, have some of the same food, so that was cool. But not only that, one of my other brothers graduated at the church that we also got married in. So we were back at both places, and it was just a really nice blessing of a day. So great weekend for us, but I'm glad you guys are here. Um, There's been a lot of raining and flooding lately, right? So I wanted to actually point out something to you guys in your guys' program. If you pull that out, uh, there is a handout inside uh, for disaster support. Um, A lot of people have been uh, subject to that flooding here in Barberton, and so we want to help that. We want to give it away, as we say all the time, and that's a great way that you guys can partner with us to do that. There's a list on there of the different things that BACM, Barberton Area Community Ministries, uh, collects, and then they give to people that are in need, uh, whether it's food or hygiene products. And so right now they're in a, a shortage of stuff because so many people need more stuff. So they've kind of opened their hours, opened their requests, Uh, And so we're going to partner with them and bring in some more of that stuff. So if you guys want to gather a bag of some of those different things, the red has some specific needs that they need right now. Um, But we'll be collecting that over the next couple of weeks until July 14th. And then take that over to them to help uh, the people that are needing here in the community. Okay, sound good? So this weekend, we're jumping back into our series on Jesus in between. Jesus in between Christmas and Easter. His birth in his death, the holidays that we celebrate and so many people know. We're going to look at what he was like. Was he a good teacher? Was he just crazy? What is he talking about? What does he look like in between both of those events? And when we look at that, we see how he really only gave us a choice to either fully receive or fully reject who he was and what he had to say. He had a lot of teachings and a lot of stories And sometimes we can feel the temptation just like, well, I don't like that story, I'm not going to list that one. Or I don't like that teaching, that's really hard to swallow, I'm not going to take that one. But he only gives us the choice to fully receive everything he talks about or fully reject it. We only have those options. And so in this series, we've seen a bunch of different stuff about Jesus already. We've seen how he's fully man and fully God. Crazy math there, but 100% plus 100% equals Jesus, right? So we saw how he's fully man, fully God, and full of grace and truth and a perfect balance of those. We also saw lots of stories, starting with his temptation. Looked how he conquered those and relates with us, but also conquers for us in those moments. We also saw the story of the paralytic, right, where they cut out the ceiling, dropped this guy at his feet, and said, hey, What are you going to do? Can you help us, please, right? And so he heals him, right? He's a lover of sinners and a forgiver of sinners as well. And we also saw the story of what it meant to be truly great. He's talked about true greatness. And we saw how really it's wrapped up in love and who God is and what it means to be great and to love others. And so today we're going to look at another story, a story of money, specifically greed. Because it's actually kind of interesting Money isn't just an American thing or a Western problem today that we struggle with. It's actually something that Jesus talked a lot about back then. Thirteen of his parables talk about money, which is like a quarter, more than a quarter of what his parables are, right? So much of what Jesus talked about was about money. He actually talks about money more than marriage, heaven, hell, or prayer. All those are great things, but he talks about money a lot. 
which is interesting, right? But there's a reason that he talks about it so much, because it's a human problem. It's in our human nature to find anything but God to rely on. And money is one of the easiest things that we can do that with. It's actually one of the biggest stress causers in, in the world right now. It's the biggest reason that people can't sleep, can't rest, can't fall asleep. It's because of finances. It's also the biggest reason for divorce and, and relational problems. Clearly, money is a struggle. And so there's tons of different healthy, practical ways, or financial peace, and these different programs and things that you guys can go through and talk about, hey, how do we handle this appropriately, and what's the way that God wants us to do this with great stewardship? We're not talking about the debt, that today. Uh, we're talking about, actually, the precursor to that, I think. It's about our heart, where our heart should be when we deal with our money, with those things that God has given us. And so that's where we're looking at today, because our heart has to first be in the right place. Because if we're asking something to give us health and joy, it becomes an idol, especially if we put it before God. And so that's why it's talked a lot about in Scripture. So we're going to have to go and turn to Luke 12, starting in 13. Uh, so you guys can follow along here on the screens or in the Bibles as well. We have some in the back if you guys need one. Uh, it's on page 845 of those black Bibles. And if you don't own a hard copy of those... Take that as our gift to you. We'd love for you to have that. Uh, but as you guys flip there, I want to give you a little bit of context uh, to this passage so you guys know uh, what we're jumping into. But Jesus had just taught to this huge crowd. He was just talking to all these people. And then he leans into his disciples and says, hey, here's what it really costs to follow me. It's going to be tough. But I'm going to be there. I'm going to protect you. The Holy Spirit will protect you and give you words. Right? It's okay. Don't worry. Right? This serious conversation. He's like, hey, guys, this is the real deal. And then find our passage here in 12, 13. Here's what happens. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Last couple of weeks we talked about interruptions. So this isn't the level of like chopping through the ceiling kind of interruption, but it's up there, right? So they're having this serious conversation. He's like, Can you have my brother share this inheritance with me, please? Or you can kind of hear the whine in his voice, right? But for us today, we don't talk too much about uh, inheritance or really know what that means. Uh, but back in that culture, the father owned everything in the family. Right? They owned all of the land and the, the comings and goings of what the family owned and took care of in that time. And so it wasn't until the father died that all of that inheritance, all of what they owned, was passed on to the sons, specifically. And so the son, the oldest son, actually got what was called a double portion. So they'd split up all the property and wealth into however many sons there are, and then the oldest would get double what everyone else got. So if there were two sons split into three parts, the oldest would get two, the next one would get one. It's likely that this guy is the younger one. He's like, hey, tell him to divide it evenly, right? He's like, hey, it's not fair, right? Come on, I mean... He gets double is what I do. I feel like that's stuff that we would say today. We don't really get this inheritance thing. But that's what he's talking about, right? It's clear that he's struggling with this physical issue of inheritance. But Jesus sees through that to the heart issue, as Jesus always does, right? Time and time again, we see Jesus uh, have all these questions from either uh, religious people, people in the crowd, or whomever, that ask these questions that kind of front one thing, seem pretty tricky, but... Jesus cuts right through it, right to the heart, figures out what they're actually asking and what's in their hearts. 
And he does that here as well. He sees through the heart of his question. So look at his response, Luke 12, 14 through 15. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. So right off, he's like, no, I'm not getting into this hairy mess that you guys are in. Like, we're not going to deal with this. Like, no, it's like, that's not why I came. Jesus always has this purpose-driven ministry. He always keeps his focus lasered uh, to where he needs to go, what he needs to do. And he doesn't let uh, distractions kind of knock him off from that. We saw that in his temptations. And it's the same thing uh, for here as well. He sees to the heart of the issue, which is what? greed. That's the heart issue. Because really, the dad owns everything in this situation. The son doesn't deserve anything. He didn't earn it. The dad owns it all and gifts it to his son. The thing is, they both got plenty of wealth and gifts through that. He still has plenty of inheritance to get, but he missed that because he was full of greed. He saw the heart issue because it wasn't just about, oh, well, let's make this fair. It's like, no, he, he wanted more. He was jealous of his brother, and he resented his father, his brother, and then ended up missing the very gift he was already given. They both got inheritance, and he missed it. So before Jesus even launches into the parable, right, he makes his point. Right? He says, hey, this is what it means to understand what I'm talking about. Right? The big point was this, be on guard against greed. Be on guard against greed. And that helps us understand his, uh, his parable that he's about to talk about. And so a parable is really just a short, made-up story that conveys this big idea. Right? And this was the big idea he's getting at. So what comes to your mind when you think of the word greed? Right? Think about it for a second. What do you think? Greed. What comes to mind? I don't know about you guys, but when I, right when I, I always hear greed, right, I think of, I don't know if you guys saw the cartoon version, uh, Robin Hood, when there's the Prince John, right, and he's like this, just like tossing these coins in the air, like counting all of them, and like, ha, 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 and he's like sleeping with sacks of money, and you're like, yeah, that's greed, right, if that ain't greed, I don't know what is, right, like, that's got to be what greed is, right, just hugging physical piles of money, and you're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't struggle with that, right, I don't hug sacks of money and sleep with them, that's weird, right? I'm pretty sure nobody actually does that, right? But greed is a little bit deeper in that, and that's why Jesus says, hey, watch out, be on guard. It's a little more subtle. When I was uh, younger, well, really still today, let's be honest, I always liked Legos, I still do, right? Legos are awesome. Loved building uh, the different sets. Like you'd, you'd, I really like Star Wars Lego sets, like those are my thing. Um, and so most normal kids, uh, when they have, like, Lego sets and stuff like that, right, they, they get them, they play with them, they put them together, but then they take them apart, and they put them on this massive box with all these Legos, and they can make their own things and all that fun stuff, right? And they end up with these huge things of all these Legos, but I wasn't normal, okay? <laughs> I would keep all of my sets together, okay? And then I would put them all on my shelves. I had, like, shelves all the way across my room of, like, all these different sets that I've collected, and I've had them positioned just right, and if someone, like, ever didn't put a set back, I hated it when, one, anyone tried to play with them, and I wasn't there or something. Oh, that just curdled me. My skin, oh, just the worst. But that's how I play. I was like, oh, it's got to be all these sets perfectly. Yeah, this is how it is. And each year, I always asked for more. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to get this set. Or They just came out this new one, and now they have all these new movies. I have so much catching up to get to with all these Star Wars Lego stuff. But 
right? I just wanted more each and each year. And sometimes my brothers and siblings would get cool sets, and I'd be like, well, I didn't, I didn't get that one. I, I want that one, right? They'd mysteriously end up on my shelf not too much later, right? <laughs> I always wanted more and more of these sets. And so it continued to be more of a heart issue of being unsettled, being unsatisfied with what I was gifted. Because I didn't deserve any of those. It was all for Christmas and birthday, right? It was just like, hey, these are gifts to you. Right? Some of these were, were pretty expensive. It was like, hey, like, these are nice things that I get to enjoy. But I missed enjoying them because I wanted more. I kept looking for the next best set or the next coolest thing. I may or may not still have some that I pull out on occasion to play with. But the point is, right, it's deeper than just hugging physical money. Greed is the problem of an unsatisfied heart. The word for greed here means a desire to have more. It doesn't say anything about like actual money. Desire to have more can be of a ton of different things, and it can happen at any level of finance and wealth. We can be the most wealthy person in the world and not struggle with greed, and we can still struggle with greed too, or we can be the most poor person in the world and still struggle with greed. The thing is, we can have a desire for more relationships, fame, ownership, you name it. We can still struggle with this desire for more. Any gift can tempt us for greed. So the issue that Jesus is talking about isn't about having those wealth and gifts. It's not about, you know, having a certain, it's like, that's not the problem. The problem is your heart, right? What's behind all that. And that's why he emphasizes, hey, it's important because your heart's kind of a big deal, right? In Proverbs 4.23, it says this. It says, above all else, all else is all else, right? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The word for guard means like protect as a military force, like protecting from an invasion. Kind of a serious deal, right? Protecting, guarding. So we need to be careful because once Greed seeps in, it's subtle and it sneaks in, it poisons our heart and then affects everything that comes out of our heart, affects everything that we do, poisons and ruins everything. So it's from here that then Jesus launches into the parables. Like, hey, be on guard for greed. Here's what I mean. Boom, parable. So let's go ahead and look at it. Luke 12, 15 through 21. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no crops, no place to store my crops. Then he said to them, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So the question that came to my mind when kind of looking over this is, well, how then do we guard against greed? What can we do to keep ourselves from this disease, really, this, this poison that can infect our hearts and impact everything that we do in such a negative way? What can we do to guard against it? And when Jesus says, hey, watch out, be on guard. So I have three things that we can look at to do to guard ourselves from greed, from this unsatisfied heart. The first thing is arm yourself with the proper source of wealth. 
arm yourself with the proper source of wealth. The man in the story thought he was his own source of wealth, right? He thought he was the one that was being wise and, and doing all these things to take care of and, and, and multiply his wealth, and he thought he was the one that was in control of that. He thought he did it. But most likely being a man of the, the land, did he make the dirt? Did he put the nutrients inside of it? Did he, he bring the great weather in order for the crops to grow in him for to be a fruitful harvest? He armed himself incorrectly with himself as the uh, source of his wealth. Many of you know I played soccer in high school and uh, it was a great soccer program, very challenging. And so it required a lot of hard work to get to a top team as any high school sport does to get to varsity. And so um, I was definitely was gifted with lots of like natural physical abilities, able to run and all that some fun stuff. Um, but I, I would say I still had to work really hard to get to that next level. There was plenty of other teammates. Even my own siblings are a little more gifted than I was, so I feel like I had to work even harder uh, to get better at, at soccer and to be just quite to the next level to make it to the varsity and to play more on varsity. And so I did. I worked hard, put in the extra time, tried to make it, and I eventually did make it to the varsity team. Um, and I made it there, but looking back, it was like a senior year was actually a really impactful year for me. Looking back, like, man... I made it. I worked hard. I did this. I put in the extra time. I put in all that hard work to bring me to where I am. I was the source of my wealth, of my, my prosperity in a way, right? But guess what that led to? An unsatisfied heart. I then wanted to be the best on the team. I wanted to be better than the next guy. I wanted to be better than this guy. I wanted to be better. I wanted to play more. I was never satisfied with where I landed because, like, well, I need to work harder than I need to keep going. I need to do better. I had the improper understanding of where my source of prosperity was coming from. When really it was God who gifted me with a body, who made me able to run around and gave me the freedom to play a, a game competitively in the first place. Not many people can stand up let alone walk around, or have the freedom and luxury to play a game. But I overlooked that. And really, we do that all the time. We place ourselves as the source of our own wealth. And take a second and think, well, where may I be doing that in my own life? Where do I think I'm my own source? Because ultimately, we know that the Father is the proper source of wealth. Even if we think we've worked hard, we've earned it, we've, we've done our time, God's the one that created us, enabled us, and tells us to go and, and makes us possible for us to do. He decided our birth, placed us in this nation, in this time period, with these personalities and these giftings that we couldn't help. He's the one that's done that. He's the source of our wealth and our prosperity, not ourselves. In a way, we inherit everything from the Father, like the man in the story. Right? Everything is a gift from him, and we need to understand that it's from him and not ourselves first, or else that leads to what? Greed, right? an unsatisfied heart. Realizing the true source keeps us from puffing ourselves up, getting a huge head, right? Gives credit where credit is due, in a way. We miss what God has actually gifted us in the first place. 
something. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in what we don't have that we miss what we do have. Right? I had all these Lego sets on, and on my shelves, and I was like, oh, sweet, really cool, fun stuff to play with, fun things to share, too, to be able to have other people enjoy as well, but I missed it because I wanted the next newest one. Right? Enjoy fully the gift that God was giving me. And not only that, but who could do with some less worry in their life, right? It was like, yeah, we could always do with less worry. When we have God as our source and realize and recognize that, we don't have to worry about taking care of ourselves. He is our source of that. So we just get way less worry. It's like, you know, I don't need to worry about that because God's taking care of me. So that's the first thing. Arm ourselves with the Father as the proper source of wealth. Secondly, watch out for selfishness. Watch out for selfishness. The man in this parable was not just some guy that won the lottery, right? It says he was already a rich man. It was already someone that God had been blessing, and he continued to bless him, which is nothing bad about that at all. It's what he chose to do with it. The first person he thinks about when God was blessing him was himself. He thought about himself. And so what led to his greed and the poisoning of his heart was old-fashioned selfishness, which is sneaky as all get out, right? It's so hard in our, our culture that makes it easy to make ourselves the center of attention, to make everything we have and own customizable and perfect to me. It's hard to break out of that. And the problem isn't having those things or having a savings account or retirement equity or any of those, those plans. Like Nothing wrong with having those things. It's the heart behind it. It's what we do with it. Instead of you know, breaking down his barns and building bigger ones, right, he could have maxed out the ones he had and then helped maybe another farmer in the area that was looking to grow and, and do better as well. Maybe was struggling, his crops didn't go as well, land wasn't as good as, as maybe the rich man, so he came over and helped him out, something like that. Right? Or he could have helped the, the widow, the poor, and the orphan right, in the community, in that area that were struggling. The modern-day equivalent is basically the, the single mom or the uh, people without fatherly figures in the home. Plenty of need in the communities for that. There are several other ways that he could have dealt with his money than looking to himself first. But the thing with selfishness is it says, I don't deserve it, I didn't earn it, but I kept it. Selflessness says, I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it, so I gave it. Joyful giving is one of the best ways we can battle selfishness. And here's the thing. Listen close here. Giving is for ourselves. Giving is for the person that's giving. It's not for the recipient. Let me explain. God doesn't care what church we're giving to, what ministry we're giving to, or how much we're giving either. He cares about our heart when we do give. He cares about the giver themselves. By doing that, we're showing our trust in God. We're showing where our real source is from. We're showing who we're trusting in when we do that. So the natural question I ask myself is, hey, well, where am I a little self-focused right now? Where am I a little creeping towards the selfish side? What is God wanting me to give up joyfully? Whether that's time, the spaces I own, it could be resources, but also my service. Like There's so many things we can give joyfully of. 
So those are the first two things. Arm yourself with the Father as the proper source of wealth. Watch out for approaching selfishness and self-centeredness. And finally, fortify your security. Fortify your security. Had to stick with all like guarding terms here. Stick with me. Fortify your security. It'll make sense in a second. So the man in the parable found his security in what? The bigger barns. That's where he found his security, was trusting, and hey, you know, I'm going to make these bigger bonds, and then I don't have to worry, right? I can sit back, I can relax, I can just enjoy it and, and, and be okay, enjoy life, right? Do we have barns today? They're not physical barns. What else do we have? Bank accounts. Right? A number. We often have a number in our head. It's like, oh, well, if I get to that number, I'll be safe. If we, if we make it to this, I don't have to worry. I'll be comfortable and be okay. For college students, maybe some high school students, right? if I can buy Chipotle and Starbucks in the same week, ah, oh, that would be living it, right? Sometimes that's the first goal. Or maybe for uh, young adults, it's like, hey, you know, if I'm no longer using a used car, if I get to that new car, then I'll be safe, I'll feel secure, I'll be okay. We're feeling this one as a young family, right? If we're not renting anymore and we own a house, oh, then we'll be safe, we'll be secure. We don't have to worry about that. Our money's going somewhere, right? Guys, I know this can sting a little bit, but let's be honest. That number can quickly become a God if we let it do what only God is supposed to do. Bring us, bring us true peace and security. And we'll do anything to get that number, to keep that number. But the thing is, when we get there, what do we do? Break it down and build a bigger one, right? We build a bigger one. Nothing wrong with setting goals, being smart. But when we let that bring us peace and security, that's where we're getting dangerous. That's where we're letting greed sneak in and poison our heart. The problem is when we ask money and wealth to do what only God can. Bring us true security and peace. He talks about this later in the passage in Luke 12, uh, 22 through 23. He says this to his disciples. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Jesus says do not worry. The thing that they first thought of when they woke up back in that culture was, well, hey, where am I going to eat? Got to eat to survive, so what am I going to eat? How am I going to survive? Us today, uh, being in America, right, in this Western culture, owning a house, a car, an income, makes us in the top 1% of the wealthy in the world. So we're usually asking that question, where am I going to eat? Because we're usually taken care of. But to eat, what do you need? Money. To make money, what do you do? You work. You do something. Right? You earn your living. And so our first question when we wake up is, what am I going to do? How am I going to earn myself today? What am I going to do to stay alive? So at the heart of both of these questions is my life. You worry about your life and like, oh, how am I going to stay alive today? What am I going to do? It's our first question. But do we let those drown out our faith with worry? Do we let our worry drown us in wondering what's going to happen? Jesus said, no, don't worry. Don't worry because I'll take care of you. Later in uh, 29 through 30 of Luke 12, he says, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things. 
and your Father knows that you need them. The Father is there to take care of us. It says a pagan, right? A pagan's a godless person, someone that does not have God in their life. And they act like that. They ask those questions. Oh, I don't know. They, they worry. But when we're sons and daughters of the Father, we don't have to. We don't have to worry because he's going to take care of us. He's got an inheritance for us that we can take part in. Our security should be in him. He gives us those things to be rich toward him. That's what he says at the end of the parable. He wants us to be rich toward God. And to be rich toward God, instead of asking and saying, hey, what, what do I do for myself, right? Instead of being selfish, we ask, God, what do you want me to do with this? That's what that means. God, this is yours. We all recognize it's from him. It's for him. And so we love God, love others. We do justice, love mercy, right? We use what he's given us, those gifts, for the things that he wants us to use them for. The thing is, we can't be, be rich toward God until we've been made rich by God, right? By first experiencing his grace and his mercy and his love that he lavishes on us. That's our inheritance. That's what he gives us. Those are those gifts that we can't earn. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says it in a really awesome way. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. We become rich spiritually in, in love, in mercy, in grace. We receive that from him first. We say that's saying yes to Jesus here at Grace. That's how we call it. We say yes to his sacrifice on the cross, coming down from heaven and being in a place of poverty, right, and sacrificing himself. We say, yes, that I need that. I need that sacrifice because I can't do anything on my own. Because, guys, if we're honest, we really can't guard ourselves against greed. It's going to sneak in one way or the other unless we have the grace, love, and mercy, the sacrifice, the inheritance of the Father. We get that by saying yes to Jesus, committing our lives to live for him, to, to give all of who we are, which is ourselves, our gifts, everything, to him and his purposes. That's the gospel. Because later in that passage, Luke 12, 31, towards the end, says, but seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So you don't need to focus on those things. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. But seek first my kingdom, my plan, my agenda. Why? Because our kingdom's gonna end soon, but his never will. This is an eternal kingdom. It's going to have eternal value. And the parable is like, none of this is going to last. Right? You're not going to be able to enjoy it for very long. Invest in something that you're going to be able to enjoy forever, which is me. Viewing wealth through the lens of eternity loosens our grip on it and subsequently its grip on us. And it's not about the, the thing that wealth and money isn't the evil thing. Right? We have to be cautious, be careful. We have to guard ourselves because it's dangerous. Because it leads to what? Greed. Think of it like this. Um, so past, like we said, a couple weeks, it's been raining a lot, a lot of storming, things like that. And um, my parents' house, have a, they have a lot of trees in their yard. And there's been like four trees knocked down within like the period of two or three weeks. It's crazy. A lot of trees down, which means what? What's the way to get rid of them, right? Chainsaw, right? Chainsaw. 
Yes, that's what's hiding under this little thing over here. Don't worry, I won't start it up. It's okay. Chainsaw, right? You need a chainsaw to chop and move those trees, right? It's a tool. It's a powerful tool, right? We wouldn't have been able to move some of that because of those huge trees. We actually had to go buy this new one because it needed to be more powerful in order to move some of these massive, massive trees, right? It's helpful. Sometimes it's the only thing we could use to chop that tree and to move it. We couldn't just grab it, push it, right? We, had, we needed this tool. It's powerful. But it's also what? Dangerous, right? This is a real blade, okay? Right? That can chop some arms, right? It can chop off your head. That's why they use it in horror films all the time, right? It can actually kill you, right? It's dangerous. It really could. But my dad would always say, when handling a chainsaw, as long as you know it can kill you, you'll be okay, right? Which is, it's funny, it's like, he's right, right? And because as long as you know, okay, I need to take the right precautions, okay? I'm not gonna wear flip-flops, right? Probably gonna wear gloves, probably some eye protection for the sawdust, stuff like that. But then you're also, when you cut as well, you're gonna be careful where it's going. You're not just gonna, let me just, right? You gotta know how to use it. You just, you set it on there, you watch where the blade's gonna go in case it does accidentally kick. You be careful, you're cautious, you know how to use it, right? You also have to know what goes in it, how to take care of it, things along those lines, right? You have to know how to take care of it, use it. You also don't let it sit in your garage either, right? A shiny looking chainsaw is also weird. You use it, right? It has to be put to use. So it's a tool, it's helpful, but it's dangerous. Like money. Money is a tool, it's helpful, and sometimes it can do some really big, awesome things. But it's dangerous. We have to be cautious, we have to watch out. We have to know how to use it, know certain ways of, of wise stewardship, know, hey, okay, this is what it means to save, this is what it means to, to look forward to the future, to be okay, to be, be, be smart about what we're doing. We have to know how to use it, but it can kick and it can kill us. We can do that because greed slides in. Greed slides in, poisons our heart, and ends up killing everything. Poisons our heart that's the spring of life into everything else that we do. It's a tool, but it's dangerous, and that's why Jesus talks about it so much and says, watch out. It's dangerous, it can be great, but watch out for greed, because that's what's going to kill you. The problem isn't wealth or money or having a bunch of different things. It's what we do with it, our heart behind it. It's dangerous because it leads to greed, and greed is a heart issue. It poisons us and infects us, and sometimes it starts to infect others around us. The thing is, it reveals our hearts. If we stop and ask, God, what's in my heart? What, what's there that shouldn't be? Seeing greed, seeing all these things to be cautious about reveals where our trust is. Where is our trust? Are we trusting in God to take care of us? Are we satisfied in the way that he is taking care of us? Or are we asking money to do what only he can? It's really the heart and the point of what it is. It's driving. What drives you? What are you trusting in? Jesus concludes the passage this way. It's a perfect ending. Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Saying a good way to see where my heart is is to follow my money. 
Do I treasure God enough to give to him worshipfully? Am I willing to share what I have with others? Am I investing my resources in eternal things? Is my heart truly trusting God? This isn't a plug for more money, right? We've already given the the baskets. This is a, a plug for the heart. Are we trusting God with our heart or are we trusting our barns? Uh, Grace and I, and now Liliana really, our five-month-old, have uh, been through a lot in the past year, to be honest. Um, just thing after thing, and just seems like sometimes, you know, I feel like you're getting kicked when you're down, right? Um, and if you guys, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Aladdin uh, that just came out, or the old one, right? I grew up on watching the, the older cartoon, um, but we watched that recently, and uh, that time where he's on the carpet, right? He's like, hey, do you trust me? Right? Like, oh, that line, right? I really feel like that uh, sums up kind of what God's been saying to us for the past year. Right? Family uh, has been broken, aching, needing healing and recovery and uh, reconciliation and in pain, and it's not healing. Do you trust me? Friends, making tough decisions that impact us and our lives as well? Do you trust me? Finances, who knows where those are at? God, God, can we trust you? What is going on? We don't know. We have to, they're on the line. Do you trust me? A church family struggling and in need of their true shepherd. In these past couple months of transition, you all know this well. Do you trust me? I think now more than most, we need to reflect and ask, God, we trust you. Do we trust him in this time? Do we trust him with our hearts? Or are we trusting our arms or whatever we're building instead of him? He's reached his hand out. He's, hey, do you trust me? We have to show him. We have to grab the hand. He'll take care of the rest. He'll provide. He'll be there. He's promised to take care of us. We're going to sing a song. All of his promises are yes and amen. He's promised to take care of us. He will, and he has. He is now. But we just have to trust him to step out. So as we move forward in this time, let's link arms together and trust and keep one another accountable and say, God, let's, guys, let's do this. Let's trust in God together. Because he's the one, the father, through whom we get everything we have. We can trust him. Let's do this together.